Welcome to Above Par. I'm your host, Kathy Hartwood. I show you how to take more of your talent to the golf course without practicing harder, taking more lessons, or buying new equipment. I show you how to end the frustration of underperforming so you can start playing to your potential. This is where you are going to learn how to think above par so you can play below par. Let's get to it. Hello, my golf friend. Welcome back to Above Par. I am super glad you're here and listening. I hope you're having an amazing week. I hope you're still playing golf. I know there's been some really good fall golf if you live up north. Some people down in the south are getting into their seasons. So I plan, even if you are up north and the game is getting quieter and you're thinking about putting your clubs away, I encourage you to keep listening to the podcast because I am definitely going to offer you a lot of value and some tools that you can use throughout the winter and throughout your off season, it is not a time to put everything to rest. You can definitely still practice how you manage your mind, how you think about things, because how you do one thing, you do everything. I think we get stuck when we start thinking, all right, I'm going to start working my mental game because I have a tournament next week. And that's not the way it works. That's like trying to lose 10 pounds when you have a wedding next week. Right? <laughs> we want to plan ahead of time. We want to allow for that shifting in your thought patterns for your brain to open up to start believing new things so that you can buy into the process and you can learn a skill that you can then use for every single situation. If we jump on to trying to work on our mental game the the week before a tournament, our brain is going to give a lot of pushback. It's not going to be very believable. And then we end up blaming it for not working. And I don't want that to happen for you. So as you work on your game, the off season is a beautiful time to do that. Don't put this part of your game away. I always say, as long as you have a brain, you have something to work on and it's all connected. So today I want to talk about your tendencies, which is something that you can look at on and off the golf course. I want you to really think about the things that you have a tendency to do, and we're going to put them into buckets. So it doesn't seem quite so overwhelming. I think what happens a lot of times is people think they have so many different things to work on the golf course relative to their golf game, but also relative to all the thoughts they have going on their head. And they think they're so far removed from being able to get it or understand it. Because when we play golf, there's just a gazillion different situations that can pop up. And you might find that you're struggling managing all of it. And I'm going to suggest to you that we can put them into buckets or categories. And then you have one generic way of dealing with them and handling them. And then you can recognize them easier. And it becomes less overwhelming for you on the golf course and off the golf course when you're looking to manage your mind or thinking you have to negotiate a lot of things that are going on in your head. And I want you to start with you as a person, your tendencies, or that's part of your traits and your personalities. And what we end up doing is we fight against them. Like we might not like that feature of us. And I'm suggesting instead of fighting against the way you naturally are, I want you to embrace it. And I want you to notice it and be aware of it because the more we push against something, the more it's going to push back. So I will give you plenty of examples as we go along, but I want you to really think about what your personal tendencies are. Can we put them into some buckets? And I'm going to give you a couple different areas to look. So the first area that I want you to think about is your learning style, your personal learning style. When I was teaching for a living, I usually started every lesson with asking the person during our introduction what they do for a living or maybe what their hobbies are. Not that I was super nosy 
or super interested, I wanted to know what their learning style was. They could give me a lot of information by sharing with me what their job was or what their hobbies were. So for instance, if somebody was an accountant or in finance or math or an engineer, they would have a tendency to be very analytical. They love information, lots of information. They would ask lots of questions. They might overanalyze the information. I had to be very selective on the way that I delivered my information to them while I was teaching so that they didn't overcomplicate things. Those would be my students who would say, tell me more, give me more, one more thing. And it wasn't necessarily serving them the best way. So that helped me understand a little bit about how their brain works. If someone said to me that they're a gardener, I know that they'd like a lot of feel and they use their hands and they want a little bit more touch involved in their swing. If someone was more into the arts, they might have a tendency to not want a lot of information. They could become very overloaded. They like to have the big picture. They want to see their swing. They're very visual. Right. So I encourage you to take a look at what your hobbies are, what you do for a living. If you love what you do for a living, how your brain works. Do you like a lot of information? Are you a consumer? Are you out there watching YouTube and reading books? And do you love TrackMan and all the numbers? Or are you more of a person? Nope, I don't want to look at the numbers. That's overwhelming to me. The more I know, the worse I do. Do you like to feel your swing a little bit more? And this is useful for you while you're on the golf course because you might have a tendency to get over analytical. You might want to catch yourself while you're in the process of that. It's just, I have my brain craves lots of information and I can feel myself at this moment becoming a little overwhelmed when I start thinking too much, overanalyzing my swing. It's just what I have a tendency to do. I notice it versus the other person might be searching for that feeling or that sensation. They might get frustrated that they can't feel it because they think that's necessary for them to be able to play well. And that might be something that you recognize and say, yeah, this is me. I have a tendency to do this. I can still swing, even though I can't really feel all of it right now, right? So understanding your learning style is very helpful for when you're on the golf course and you're going through different situations. You're like, oh, this is the part of my story where I can get very overwhelmed. Or this is the part of the story where I can get very frustrated because I like to have all the information or I don't like to have all the information or I like to feel the club a little bit more. It's just good to know. So that when that happens in the general sense, you can notice that learning style about you instead of being very critical of it or freaking out. The second area is some of your traits as a person. And a lot of times we don't like these areas of us, especially when it comes out on the golf course and we wish they would just go away. We wish we could solve for it. This is a little bit of a deeper issue, but we all have certain tendencies and traits that we have picked up, especially as children, that helped serve us as we were growing up. It helped us deal with our environment. So for instance, if you lived in a house that was full of commotion or animosity as a young child, you might have become a people pleaser. As long as I make everybody happy, my environment can feel safe to me. That worked for you. Same with perfectionism, right? If I did everything perfect, then maybe I didn't feel like I was going to get in trouble or do anything wrong. And you became a perfectionist. There's multiple reasons for this. I'm just giving you generic ones right away, but we learn a lot of these traits as children. They serve us in our environment to keep us safe or to make sense in our head. As we grow older, we don't need that as much anymore, but it's still there. Then it has a tendency to work against us, right? There might be things like being a perfectionist or a people pleaser or a controller or even a victim, 
if you have a tendency to do that, so something happens on the golf course, you can feel yourself becoming a little bit of a victim out there. You want to notice that's just what I have a tendency to do. I learned this as a kid. It served me then. It doesn't serve me as much now. I notice it. I'm recognizing it. I recognize when I'm being perfectionist. Right? I call myself a closet perfectionist because it was one of those things that really held me back when I was playing for a living. I coach a lot of perfectionists. It was one of those things that I really just wanted it to go away because I knew it wasn't helping me. I knew it wasn't useful, but it would always pop up every once in a while. I've talked about how it pops up when I sometimes record podcasts or I have projects or I'm doing webinars. I can feel my perfectionism come back out. I try now not to make it a big deal. I just go, there it is. I'm noticing it. It's popping up. Of course it's going to. It's really a part of my nature and my trait. But the more I wished it wasn't there or never came up, I was really arguing with reality because it is naturally going to be there. So when you're on the golf course, you can start noticing if you're worrying about what other people are thinking, if that's your tendency, or you're a people pleaser, or a controller, or a worrier, or you have a tendency to be a victim. And there's so many different categories of things that could happen on the golf course that could trigger that reaction, or you could feel like suddenly there was a problem and you were struggling to manage your mind. And the third area I'd like you to look for your tendencies or things that we can put in a bucket for you, generalizations, so that'll help you manage a lot of different scenarios on the golf course. That would be your strengths, what you do well. And often what people will tell me is that the reason they're working with me is because they don't have any strengths in their mental game. And I'm going to tell you that I don't think that's true. I want you to look off of the golf course. I want you to look in your day-to-day life, maybe how you manage your family or kids or how you operate at work, managing people, giving presentations. You own so many amazing mental skills. You just haven't transferred them to the golf course yet. You haven't noticed how they apply to what you do on the golf course. So some of those might be that you're very good at handling pressure at work. You're very good with deadlines. You're very good with handling drama with employees or drama with your children. You might be very good at taking the temperature down on situations and being less dramatic and being more pragmatic. You might have an area where you're very good at focusing. You can turn it on. When it's a deadline, you know how to click into focus and being very present, whether that's talking with people or working on a project. Those skills will serve you on the golf course. I want you to look at the things that you do off the golf course that are a strength to you or for you relative to how you manage your mind, things at work or at home or with family or your community. And then I want you to look at how you can take that strength and apply it to things on the golf course because you have one brain. And I'll repeat it again. How you do one thing, you do everything. Tap into that skill Think about the different areas where that is useful for you and how it might be useful for you on the golf course and create a bucket with all of these areas. I want you to create these buckets. So let's say, for example, that you're a people pleaser. So on the golf course, you might come to me with a lot of different situations and it might be, I have a problem when we're playing slow. I worry about the group behind me. That becomes my focus. I worry about what they're thinking. I worry about in the group what people are thinking about me. I try and make up time for them and I sacrifice my game with pace of play. And then you might also tell me that sometimes when I'm playing with somebody and they're really upset, I try to help them feel better and it's a distraction to me. And then you might come to me, 
Other times I really struggled today because this person wanted to talk to me and I didn't want to talk to them and I felt obligated to talk to them. And I can make this list really long, but all of those things just go into one bucket of people pleasing. And what you would do is go, oh, this is just me people pleasing. It could be thousands of different situations you could present with me and it can feel overwhelming. Like you're not making any progress when really we could put just all put it into one bucket of, oh, this is a people pleasing moment. And I know how to handle people pleasing moments. I know what I'm going to do. And then you want to come up with a plan for how you're going to manage those moments when you start people pleasing. And you're going to say, oh, I'm noticing this about me. Here it is. I'm people pleasing again. And I have a plan for that. Instead of getting upset and overwhelmed and feeling there's so many different scenarios that you don't handle well, it's helpful to notice this is just the part of me that likes to make other people happy or worries about what other people thinks. I'm noticing that about me. Aren't I so cute? Right? That's one of the things that I say to my clients that I do when I find myself being a perfectionist on the golf course. I just go, mm, I'm so cute. Am I cute? Not really. It just helps me from beating myself up. It takes the temperature down on things. I say it about other people too when I notice their tendencies. Oh, they're so cute over there talking nonstop for 15 minutes straight while I'm trying to hit my ball. They're so cute, right? It just helps me quiet my brain down. It puts a little humor in my head. And it also recognizes the fact that we're all just humans trying to manage all these different tendencies and traits and doing the best we can. This is what I want you to do. I want you to go through this and look at what are your personal tendencies. There is nothing wrong with any of them. One is not better than the other. Most of our personality traits served us at some point in our life. You cannot be blamed for that. So don't judge yourself on it. Just notice it. We can minimize it. We can make it smaller. We can let make it less apparent. And it probably is going to help you identify a lot of different things that might bother you on the golf course. And we can, when we can put it into one bucket or two, or you might have three different buckets or traits or tendencies that you have on the golf course then it can seem so much more manageable, less overwhelming. And then when you create a little bit of a protocol or a plan for each one of those buckets, you feel so much more empowered and certain on the golf course that you can handle anything. So this, my friend, is your work. I want you to get really curious. Find your tendencies, find your traits, put them into a bucket. See how you can notice that most of the things will fall into one, two, or three different buckets for you. And when you can come up with a plan on how you're going to handle all those things, how you're going to pivot when you start noticing yourself being a perfectionist or worrying or feeling like a victim or being a people pleaser or consuming too much information or being analytical, you can create a plan with some of the strengths that you're already using off the golf course at home or in your personal life. All right, my friends, I think this is going to be super powerful for you if you go through this exercise. And if I can help you in any way, please this is what I do. Reach out to me at kathyhartwood.com. I'd love to help you. All right. Have a beautiful week and I'll talk to you next Wednesday.